O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna arsalnaka, indeed we have sent you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who sent the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a messenger with a mission, with a task. And what was that task? To convey the messages of Allah to mankind. To deliver this amana, this trust, of wahi, of revelation, of Allah's laws, of His commands to people. No matter how much some people oppose or they dislike, or they do not find themselves to be comfortable with the law of Allah, still Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was to convey. Why? Because inna arsalnaka, we have sent you. The Prophet ﷺ did not make this religion up. He did not make these commands up. Allah is the one who sent him. Allah is the one who revealed this law upon him. So indeed, we have sent you. And we have sent you as a shahidan, as a witness, وَمُبَشِّرًا And as a bringer of good news, وَنَذِيرًا And as a warner. This is who the Prophet ﷺ was. We see that in Surah Al-Ahzab, right at the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ is told to fear Allah and to not care about what the enemies say, what the opponents say, and that out of the fear of Allah, he should obey and he should also convey. And the commands that we have seen in the surah so far, we see that they directly affected the personal life of the Prophet ﷺ. It wasn't just something that affected the Muslim community in general, it actually affected the life, the personal life of the Prophet ﷺ. And for this, of course, the Prophet ﷺ, he was putting his honor, he was putting his honor at risk. He was putting his reputation at risk. And this is something that had been happening from day one. The day the Prophet ﷺ began conveying the message of Allah, what happened? He was now described not as a sadiq and ameen, but rather he became into, he was known as sha'ir, kathib, right, sahir, so on and so forth. His honor was at risk from day one. But at this point in Medina, we see that all of a sudden there was too much opposition. Because you see, there were people amongst the Muslims also who were not too comfortable with the laws that were revealed at that time. Why? Because they contradicted the cultural norms. They went against the cultural norms of that society. And this was something that was difficult for some people to accept. And as always, when change happens, some people, they are fine with the change and some people, they do not like change. And they make a lot of noise when even the slightest of change happens. So there were these hypocrites, there were people with even weak faith, who were believers but with weak faith, who criticized the Prophet ﷺ either openly or silently in their hearts or in their private conversations. So we see that all of these verses over here, they are defending the Prophet ﷺ. So whether it was during the life of the Prophet ﷺ or today, if it happens that the honor, the life, the personality of the Prophet ﷺ is attacked, we should remember that the Prophet ﷺ didn't do all of this out of his own desire. He did it, why? Because Allah ordered him. So if we have a problem with the decisions that the Prophet ﷺ made, in fact we have a problem with who? 
Allah then, وَالْعِيَادُ بِاللَّهِ If a person has a problem with, for instance, the marriages of the Prophet ﷺ, then they have a problem with the law of Allah. And if a person has a problem with the law of Allah, then what can you say to them? How can you try to please them? If a person is not happy with Allah, can they be pleased with us? Can they be happy with an explanation that we can provide them? No, they cannot be. So over here, the Prophet ﷺ is being defended. Allah defends his messenger. Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, O Prophet ﷺ, Inna arsalnaka, we are the ones who have sent you as a shahid. Shahid is who? A witness. Shahid is from shahada, one who makes shahada, one who gives testimony. Right? And you can only testify to something that you have witnessed. Right? And when you're testifying, when you're giving testimony, you are basically informing. Isn't it? You're informing. I saw such and such happen. So you are informing. You're giving some news. So the word shahid is understood in a number of ways over here. First of all, it's understood as shahid meaning mukhbir. Mukhbir, meaning one who informs. One who conveys. So we have sent you as a shahid that you must testify to people, meaning inform them, tell them, convey to them. Convey to them what? That which has been revealed to you. You cannot hide it. You cannot keep it to yourself. You must convey it. Because Allah is the one who sent you with this mission. Secondly, shahid over here also means witness. Meaning one who will testify. So you have been sent to see, to observe, and later you will testify. Meaning on the day of judgment, you are going to testify. And this is something that we learn about in the hadith also. For example, there is a hadith in Bukhari in which we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said that on the day of judgment, Nuh ﷺ will be brought. And he will be asked, Did you convey the message of Allah? And Nuh alayhi salam will say, Yes, O Lord. And then his nation will be asked, Did he convey Allah's message to you? And they will reply, No warner came to us. The Prophet Nuh will say, I conveyed. And what will his people say? Nobody came to us. We didn't know. They will lie on the day of judgment. Imagine, they will lie to Allah. Because a person will do anything at that time to save himself from punishment. So Nuh alayhi salam will be asked, Who are your witnesses? You say that you conveyed. Even though Allah knows, but justice is being established. Right? So Nuh alayhi salam will be asked, Who are your witnesses? And he will reply, My witnesses are Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his followers. So the Prophet sallallahu will be asked, Did Nuh convey? His ummah will be asked, did Nuh convey? And the Prophet ﷺ will bear witness that yes, Nuh ﷺ conveyed. Now the question is, was the Prophet ﷺ there when Nuh ﷺ was sent as a messenger? Was he? No. Were we there? Was the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ there? Then on what basis will they testify? You see, you give testimony on the basis of what? Knowledge that you have. Right? Information that you have, first-hand knowledge that you have, first-hand experience that you have. You saw something happen. Right? The Prophet ﷺ was given the Qur'an. And in the Qur'an, Allah tells us that Nuh ﷺ conveyed. And وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلًا Who can be more truthful than Allah in word, in speech? 
So the Prophet ﷺ will testify, his ummah will testify based on what? What testimony, what evidence will they present? On what basis will they say that Nuh ﷺ conveyed? Because of the Qur'an. You understand? Because of the Qur'an. So we have sent you as a shahid, as a witness. And thirdly, shahid also means hakim, meaning one who judges according to what has been revealed to him. So over here, the Prophet ﷺ was to judge according to what? According to the Qur'an that was given to him. And what's the proof that the word shahid is also used for a judge? We learn, for example, in the story of Yusuf ﷺ, وَشَهِدَ shahid مِنْ أَهْلِهَا That a shahid, he testified, meaning he judged. Alright? In the story of Yusuf ﷺ, remember when the wife of the Aziz, right? she blamed Yusuf ﷺ, she accused him. And she tore his shirt. Remember? So Yusuf ﷺ said, I'm innocent, I didn't do anything here. And she said, no, I'm innocent. So then, someone judged, someone gave this ruling, and that person is described as a shahid, and what was the judgment that he made? That if the shirt is ripped from the front, then who is guilty? Yusuf ﷺ. But if it is ripped from the back, then what does it mean? Who's guilty? The wife of Aziz is guilty. Right? So shahid. Shahid over there means judge. So over here also, shahid has been understood as judge. Meaning, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we have given you the Qur'an so that you judge according to it. We have sent you with knowledge, with the law, so that you may implement it. You may practice it. Law is not just meant to be written, it's meant to be practiced. Isn't it? So for example, if you go and give your G1 test and you get a 100%, right? But then, when you go for your practical test, you don't follow the rules, is that going to get you a license? Is that going to get you a G2 or a G? No, it's not. Even if you got a, if you scored a hundred percent in your written test, your knowledge information is perfect. But if the implementation is not there, that knowledge is, what is it? It's useless. So Allah has revealed this law so that it may be practiced. And who's going to bring it in practice? Who's going to show to the ummah how this knowledge is to be practiced? It's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna arsalnaka shahidan. We have sent you as a witness. Wamubashiran. And also one who gives good news. Mubashir, one who gives bashara. Bushra. What is bushra? Good news. So we have sent you as someone to convey good news. The Prophet ﷺ didn't just come to warn people against hellfire, against punishment. Before warning is what? Good news. Good news for what? That if you obey Allah, if you follow His commands, then there is good that waits for you in this life and in the next. Mubashir. Wanadira. Nadir, warner also. Because this is sincerity, and this is well-wishing when the message is complete. That when you give good news and you also give warning. When you tell somebody the benefits of doing something, and you also tell them about the loss if they were to do otherwise. Right? You tell them the pros and the cons. That is justice, isn't it? So for example, you know, when you're buying something, why is it that you have to go read reviews? Why? Because you want to know 
what are the real pros and cons. And who will tell you the real pros and cons? It's the people who have purchased that item, who have used it, right? They can tell you the benefits as well as the the harmful, the bad side of it, right? So, مُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا The Prophet ﷺ conveyed good news of Allah's forgiveness, of Jannah, of reward for those who obey. And he also gave warning. Because if people are not warned, even that is unfair. Even if that warning may sound harsh, even if that warning may sound, you know, difficult or uncomfortable, but it's necessary because that is the truth. Right? Hiding reality, hiding the truth, that is injustice. So the Prophet ﷺ clearly conveyed to people about Allah's punishment also, if they were to go against Allah's laws. وَدَاعِيًا wa and da'iyan meaning we have also sent you as a da'i who is da'i da'i is from dua dal'in waw da'a yad'u to call da'i is one who calls so you have been sent as a caller as one who invites you are to invite invite meaning invite people invite people to what call them to what to who? Ilallah to Allah. This was the mission of the Prophet ﷺ. Call people to Allah. To Allah? Yes. What does that mean? Call people to Allah, meaning tell them about who Allah is. Tell them about who their Lord is, so that when they recognize Him, they run towards Him. They strive towards Him. They pursue His pleasure. Because this is what we were created for, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Call people to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَدَاعِيًا إِلَى اللَّهِ And this is what all of the prophets did. They called people to Allah. They didn't call people to worship them. You understand? In the Quran, for example, in Surah Ali Imran, ayah 79, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا كَانَ لِبَشَرٍ أَن يُؤْتِيَهُ اللَّهُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحُكْمَ وَالنُّبُوَّةَ ثُمَّ يَقُولَ لِلنَّاسِ كُونُوا عِبَادًا لِي مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلَكِنْ كُونُوا رَبَّانِيِّينَ It can never happen that Allah gives to a man the scripture, Prophethood, wisdom, knowledge, all of that. And then he says to people, be my servants. No. A prophet of Allah would never say to people, serve me. What would he say? Be Rabbaniyeen. What does Rabbaniyeen mean? Worshippers of the Lord. Meaning worship Allah. So whatever the Prophet ﷺ taught, Whatever the Prophet ﷺ conveyed, ultimately that leads us to who? That leads us to who? To Allah. It's a connection. You understand? It's a connection for us. It's a way for us to attain Allah's pleasure. So, وَدَاعِيًا إِلَى اللَّهِ بِإِذْنِهِ By His permission. His permission meaning Allah's permission. What does this mean? That you cannot even call people to Allah, you cannot even invite them to Allah, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
allows unless he facilitates unless he gives the ability you understand that you can try your best to call people you can try your best to convey the message but you will only find success when allah's help is there when allah's idhn is there bi idnihi so anytime you find yourself struggling that how can i convey the message of islam to this individual how can i take the quran to this person how can i defend islam over here how can i instill the love of allah in this person what can i do what is it that we need to do first and foremost ask allah for idhn that oh allah you give me the ability you make it possible for me you show me the ways bi idnihi Secondly, bi-idnihi also means that you are doing this by Allah's permission, meaning you're doing this because Allah is the one who told you. Wada'iyan ila Allah, and this is connected with the previous, that we have sent you as a shahid, mubashir, nadir, da'iyan ila Allah, and you're doing all of this. Why? Because we have sent you. Bi-idnihi. You see, at the beginning it is sent, we sent you. Right? And here it is said, bi-idnihi. meaning the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam whatever he conveyed he didn't do it out of his own desires it wasn't his wishes it wasn't whatever his mind came up with no he was a messenger one who was conveying because allah ordered him allah told him wasirajan and you are also sent as a siraj siraj that is munira what is siraj siraj is a lamp All right, Siraj is a lamp from the root letter Sin Ra Jim, and Siraj is a lamp that is lit with oil. Okay, don't think of a lamp as in a lamp that you have on your night table. Okay, an electronic one, right, with a light bulb in it. You're talking about that which has been lit with oil. So there's oil, there's a wick, and that has been lit. Okay, so when that is kindled, the wick is kindled, and there is oil. What do you think is going to happen to the oil? Also, isn't that going to illuminate? Hmm? And it's not just light; it's actually beautiful. Why do you think we have candles as decoration? Why? Because they look beautiful, isn't it? We light them not just for the purpose of fragrance, but for the purpose of, for the purpose of decoration. Right, so Siraj is a lamp that is bright, meaning it's bright in itself, and it also illuminates. It spreads light, right? It's bright and clear, and it's also beautiful. Right, so Siraj, your personality, your life, your Sira, your character is like a siraj that is munira now siraj itself is light but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further describes it as munira munir from nur all right munir one giving nur one that is radiating nur nur as in light so we have sent you as a siraj munira meaning as an illuminating lamp illuminating lamp think about a place that is dark and then you turn the candle on right or you turn the light on now that light itself is bright but it's also brightening it's also illuminating its surroundings there's beauty 
there's warmth and because of that light there's also clarity you're able to see things that you wouldn't otherwise see and what you see now you can identify it as something good or as something harmful without it you could really get hurt right like for example if it's dark and you think that this is a place to sit right or this is a place where i can put my foot can you misunderstand what that thing actually is very easily right i remember my father told me long long time ago this is in pakistan when he was a little child he said it was night time and he was walking all right and there was a big lamp a big light okay and uh, he was going towards that place and as he was walking he saw that this big black thing it's mud right it was ground and he said that as i stepped i felt nothing under my foot and so he took a step back all right the light was behind him the light was there so he said i took a step back and then when he looked carefully it was actually a well it was a well imagine so the light was there but it was not enough for him to see what that place actually was he thought it was safe to step on this is how dangerous darkness is that we really don't know what one step might lead us to what disaster it could bring us in so isn't light necessary then isn't it necessary so the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam his personality allah describes it as a siraja munira just as we need light we need the example of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam if we don't have his example we could really be putting ourselves in danger not just danger disaster we would be harming ourselves and we see this that each time we drift away from the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we actually harm ourselves we actually deprive ourselves so the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a sirajan munira it's a perfect example it's bright and clear it radiates hidayah radiates guidance without it we wouldn't know how to follow the quran we wouldn't know how to practice the religion of allah So over here in these verses what do we see the qualities the attributes of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam are mentioned what are his attributes what are his attributes tell me from the ayah so ayah number 45 what's the first attribute mentioned in ayah number 45 before shahid an nabi hmm an nabi he was a prophet secondly shahid thirdly mubashshir then nadhir then da'iyan ila allah and then sirajan munira right and then from inna arsalnaka a seventh one inna arsalnaka arsalnaka shows that he was also a rasul so nabi rasul shahid bashir mubashshir nadhir da'i and siraj and this description of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is also mentioned in the torah it's recorded in musnad ahmad that abdullah bin amr ibn as radiyallahu anhu he narrated the description of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the torah right and 
he said that the Prophet ﷺ has been described in the Torah with some of the qualities in which he was described in the Quran. Meaning they're almost identical. He said, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيِّ إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ شَاهِدًا وَمُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا وَحِرْزًا لِلْأُمِّيِّينَ فَأَنْتَ عَبْدِي وَرَسُولِي سَمَّيْتُكَ الْمُتَوَكِّلْ لَيْسَ بِفَضٍ وَلَا غَلِيظٍ وَلَا سَخَابٍ فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ وَلَا يَدْفَعُ السَّيِّئَةِ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ وَلَكِنْ يَعْفُ وَيَصْفَحْ وَيَغْفِرْ That, O Prophet, verily we have sent you as a witness, a bearer of glad tidings, and as a warner, a savior of the illiterate. Meaning one who will save. Who? The unlettered nation. You are my servant and my messenger. And I have called you Al-Mutawakkil. Who is Al-Mutawakkil? One who relies. One who relies upon who? Allah. You are not harsh or severe or noisy in the marketplace. You do not repay evil with evil. But you overlook and forgive. And the description continues. So this is very similar. Hmm? Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And give good news to the believers. You must convey good news to the believers بِأَنَّ That indeed, لَهُمْ for them مِنْ Allah from Allah is fadlan A bounty that is kabira, That is great. Tell the believers, give them this good news that Allah will give them fadlan kabira, A great fadl. Now what does fadl mean? Fadl means Preference, meaning when someone has been preferred over another. So the believers have been given a great preference, a great virtue over the rest of mankind. Meaning the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ have been preferred over the rest of mankind in a great way. And what is that way? What is that way? That the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ has been preferred over the rest of the ummah. How are we lucky? How are we fortunate that our Prophet is who? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is a great fortune. We have to be proud about this, not shy about it. That our Prophet was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the best man, the best of all Prophets, best in so many ways, perfect example, successful, forgiving. Tolerant and successful in so many ways. You know, the problem that many people have with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is, you know, when you look at, for example, the previous prophets. So, for instance, Isa alayhi salam, he faced a lot of opposition from his people. Right? They were on a mission to kill him. Very few people believed in him. The Hawariyun were how many? Very few. Right? But Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was given worldly success also. You understand? He was given religious success, worldly success. He was not just a prophet but also a political leader. You understand? And then at the same time, you have the height of spirituality, all right? And then also perfection in worldly terms. How? That firstly, the worldly success that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him Allah granted him victory over all of his enemies, whether they were the mushrikeen or the yahud, or it was the hypocrites, any kind of enemy, Allah gave him victory over his enemies. And then, if you look at his personal life also, that is also amazing. 
that he didn't just have one wife, he had many, not just four, many. And every wife of the Prophet ﷺ loved that marriage, took that marriage as a privilege. Because when every wife of the Prophet ﷺ was given the choice, you can stay or you can go, you have the choice. Remember we learned about it in this surah. What is it that each wife of the Prophet ﷺ choose? What did she choose? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, so many different forms of perfection, of success were combined in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His enemies turned into his friends. His companions were so many. Right? And then the people who surrounded him were also the best people, the best generation, learned, committed, people who sacrificed, knowledgeable, you know, in so many ways, they were successful people. So, it's like, you know, people cannot understand how could all of this be combined in one individual. Because when we think about a person who has many wives, we think, oh, there must be a problem. Hmm? Or when we think about someone who has worldly success, oh, he must be very brutal. Right? When we think about someone who's very spiritual, we think, oh, he must be very backward in worldly terms. We think that success comes with many deficiencies. And that is true for majority of mankind. But the Prophet ﷺ was given all of these virtues by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was made the best Prophet because he was to be the last Prophet. So when we think about the Prophet ﷺ, when we study his life, when we look at his examples, never ever shy away from any aspect of his life. Be proud of it. I am proud that my Prophet ﷺ had multiple wives. He was actually able to keep every single wife happy. I think that's a great accomplishment. That tells you a lot about that man as a husband, as a companion. I am proud that my Prophet ﷺ was granted success over his enemies. We shouldn't shy away. We should be happy about this. This is part of our you know, heritage, something that we should be proud about. So Allah says, give good news to the believers that they have min Allahi fadlan kabira. This is something that we should be happy about, not something that we should shy away from. This is a great preference that the ummah has been given over the rest of the nations, that their prophet is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And fadlan kabira, secondly, fadl also means a great reward that they will have a great reward from Allah. Because of course, where the Prophet ﷺ had to struggle in the way of Allah, with him, who struggled? Who struggled? Those who believed in him. And it wasn't just the people who believed at that time, even today, when people have to strive so hard to defend the Prophet ﷺ, to promote his mission. So for those believers, there is a great reward. Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, "Wala and do not tutir you obey. Do not obey al kafirin wal munafiqin, those who deny and those who are hypocrites. You don't need to obey them. Who are al kafirin? Those who openly rejected the Prophet ﷺ, who came and attacked him from front, right?" And they were far from the Prophet ﷺ, meaning they didn't live in Medina. They weren't right next to him. These were al-kafirin. Who were the munafiqeen? Those who attacked him from the back. 
those who were with him in Medina, those who were close to him. So any kind of enemy, any kind of enemy, far or near, the one who attacks you from front or from behind, you don't need to obey them. Instead, do what you are supposed to do and ignore any kind of opposition. وَدَعْ And leave أَذَاهُمْ Their hurt. Wa and da. What does da mean? Leave it. Leave it. Don't pay attention to it. Alright? And it's from the root letters wa dal'ain. Wadi'a, that which has been left. Okay? That which has been left. So wa dal'ain is the root. So da meaning leave. What should you leave? Their other. What does it mean by this? Leave their other. Meaning the hurt that they cause you. Leave that hurt. Don't pay much attention to it. Ignore the hurt that they cause you. Meaning the words that they say, the blasphemous statements that they say, the false accusations they hurl at you, the propaganda they create about you, the noise they create about you. Just leave it. Yes, it hurts, but leave it. Why leave it? Because the more you will you know, bother someone who's angry or someone who hates you, the more you touch them, what's going to happen? They're going to get even more angry. Isn't it so? You know, for example, if a child is misbehaving, is it going to help if you sit with them and say, you need to calm down and, you know, explain the whole situation to them. No, it's not going to work. What do you need to do? Pick them up, sit them down somewhere, and walk away. Right? I'm not saying that's always a solution, but sometimes that is the solution. You just have to walk away. Because if you try to talk, they're not going to listen. Right? So those who hate you from inside, those who don't think anything good about you, their mission is to have the world hate you. Their mission is to destroy Islam. They hate the Qur'an, they hate the Book of Allah, they hate Muslims, they hate the Prophet ﷺ. Their adha, it hurts you, don't even pay attention to them. Don't even pay attention to them. Because you see fire, it's such that if you don't know how to put it down, if you don't have the strength to put it down completely, what's gonna happen? You're only gonna make it spread. Right? So don't retaliate, don't worry about taking revenge because such people will only attack you more. You can't seal their mouths. وَدَعَذَاهُمْ So da'adahum, what's the meaning? Ignore the hurt that they cause you. And this by extension means that don't worry about harming them or taking revenge because they will only attack you more. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ But what about the false allegations they have hurled against the Prophet ﷺ and the kind of words and descriptions they have described him with which are unfair, which are wrong. What about them? Allah says, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Rely upon Allah. Allah will preserve His image. Allah will preserve the reputation of the Prophet ﷺ. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا And sufficient is Allah as a disposer of affairs. Is it not enough for you to trust on Him? Is it not enough to trust on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is He not capable of taking care of the affairs of His servants? He is fully capable. So trust Allah and leave these enemies to Allah. He will take care of them. 
Because you see the kind of words that even today people say about the Prophet ﷺ, they're so hurtful. Whether it's a word they say, something they write about him, an image they draw, whatever they do, it's hurtful. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us over here? Leave it, ignore it. Because the more you touch them, the more harm they will try to cause you. Right? And this is what we see. The more noise we make, the more fun people make of the Prophet ﷺ, or the more they try to mock at him, or at the Muslims. Go ahead. One of my students, he's in grade 11, we are studying chemistry, and out of sudden he asked, oh, I did some mistake, I think, can you help me? I think in my test, in your religion, four marriages are allowed? I said, yes. Then he said, um, Aisha was quite young, right? Oh, I did a blunder over there. And um, I didn't discuss anything. Yes, for a man only. So um, then he said, you know, look at teacher. We have a book, Rights of Women. So when they are teaching the, you know, religion, they are teaching about Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, everything. But they are not giving, you know, the right material of the Islam. When they are teaching about uh, four wives, they are teaching about, about Aisha Talanha, and they are also giving them the book of rights of women also in the Catholic school. So we have to be very careful about, you know, sending yeah. our kids like, uh, this yeah. is my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, you will always come across people whose, you know, mission is to find problems within Islam. And such people are not just out to find problems with Islam, they want to find problems in religion, period. Recently I was listening to a lecture in which the speaker, he was saying that if we want to call people to the worship of Allah, we have to defend religion. We have to defend religion. Not just Islam, but we have to defend religion in general. Because people who will attack Islam, many times they will attack religion in general. And if religion is not sacred, then Islam will also no longer be sacred. You know, this ayah, it's really beautiful because every now and then we come across individuals or people and this has been happening from the beginning. People who will attack the Prophet ﷺ, who will attack the Qur'an, who will attack Islam. Right? They will blame Islam for the actions of a few individuals. Right? They will say that Islam is such and such because some of its followers are such and such. Right? So, this hurts. It hurts a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ada, it hurts a lot. But what do you need to do? People who really want to discuss, go ahead and talk to them. And that conversation will be beneficial. But there are other types of people who are not going to listen to anything. And there's no point in trying to defend your religion to them. Because if they really wanted to understand their religion, they would look at their religion as a whole. If they really wanted to study the Prophet ﷺ, they would study every aspect of his life. Not just take one narration out of Bukhari and say that, oh, he married a girl that was nine years old. Hmm? Or that she was six years old. Or that she was this and she was that. If they really wanted to know the Prophet ﷺ, they would do justice to the study of this beautiful man. But the thing is, they're not out to know him. They're out to criticize him. And those whose mission is to criticize the Prophet ﷺ, then the best thing you can do is just ignore them. Let the haters hate, and let them die in their hatred. Let them say whatever they want. They're not going to accomplish anything. Seriously. You just stay focused on your work. 
ولا تطع الكافرين والمنافقين ودع اذاهم وتوكل على الله وكفى بالله وكيلا weren't there people who hated the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his very lifetime so many what happened were they successful no they weren't so don't worry about any enemy of the prophet later because they're not going to be successful either we will listen to the recitation يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ شَاهِدًا وَمُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا وَدَاعِيًا إِلَى اللَّهِ بِإِذْنِهِ وَسِرَاجًا مُنِيرًا وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِأَنَّ لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَضْلًا كَبِيرًا 